This is K-Pop Sunday brought to you by your K-Pop Sundays before you have to go back to work on Monday. We are your hosts, Old R, Min, and JR. Hello, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 12, also known as Episode 55. Today, we're going to do our annual looking back on what happened in K-Pop during the year that has passed of 2022. (laughs) As the law went on this year, we will only be highlighting a few events because all of it would just take years. But if you want to see more of a full or at least as comprehensive as we could get list of what happened in 2022, we do have a document and it is well over 40 pages that you can view and comment on all the things that we forgot to add to the document. And as a little warning, we do want to mention that some of the stories that we're going to talk about in this episode are a little bit sensitive, and most of them we will not be going too in-depth into, but some of them will have prolonged discussions, so please keep that in mind while listening. But to start us off on a gentle, happy, and preferably kind of nice note. Let's start out with who debuted this year. So starting off with the boy groups that debuted this year. The first one we wanted to mention is TNX, which stands for the new sixth, who debuted in May, becoming P Nation's first and so far only group. The six-member group was formed via the SBS reality show Loud, which ran from June to September of 2021. The show was an auditioning show focusing on trainees who are already under an agency, these agencies being JYP and P Nation. And also all the contestants had to be born either in or after the year 2000, because they wanted the youth. And so far the group has released one mini-album, and it will be interesting to see what they become. The next group we want to talk about is TAN, which is short for To All Nations. This was another group formed through a TV show this time being through NBC's Wild Idol, which went on in 2021. It was an audition show that focused on physical stamina, and it basically just threw the poor kids outside. The seven-member group made their debut in March with Do 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 under Think Entertainment, and so far they've released three mini-albums and a single album. They also made the news around that time due to a fire that broke out in the building that had Ton's practice room. The members weren't there at the time, and there were no casualties from it either, but still made for some very interesting press. And you might remember an XC clown member is part of that group, tying it back to an episode from a few months ago. (laughs) Anyway, the next group we're going to talk about is ATBO. It stands for At the Beginning of Originality, and we want to let you know that no, not all of the boy groups that debuted this year were formed via TV shows. But ATBO was formed through the Kakao Entertainment Survival Show, The Origin, A, B, or What? It ran from March 19th, 2022 to May 7th. And it was a show that combined balance games with a K-pop auditioning format. This group also has a surprising concept. All of the members were born in the 21st century. The youngest member is 18 and the oldest is 19. The seven-member group debuted in July, but right up until June, the group was actually called ABO. Fans of the show showed concern, and their agency, IST Entertainment, which has previously gone through multiple name changes, eventually decided to change it to ATBO. The group also has had a couple of member changes right up until its debut, but besides that, so far, they have released two mini-albums. Woo! 
here is a speedy little list of most of the other boy groups that debuted this year, but we probably missed some. Amers, Unite, Trends, Aqua, KKD, Black Level, Javier, Tempest, Blanky, Exceed, Superkind, A-Team, A-Blue, Black Level, Comac Boys, Cinema, Crack Silver, Fave One, Glue, Niney, The Big Dipper, and Vinu. Moving on, let's talk about what girl groups debuted this year. First up for some notable groups is La Seraphim, which is a five-member girl group under Source Music, which as of 2019 is a subsidiary of HYBE, but has also worked with Big Hit since 2007 with both 8 and Glam, so not a new partnership. However, the group originally debuted as six members in May with Fearless. The executive producer of this mini-album was Bang Shi-hook, who, as we know, founded HYBE slash Big Hit but this was the group's only release with six members. We're not going to go deep into the story here, but basically one of the members, Kim Garam, was accused of being a bully, which at first her company initially denied, but when the victim came forth with evidence through her legal representative, she was eventually removed from the group after causing schedules to be delayed and after being put on hiatus. The management of La Seraphim managed to edit her out really well from the group's documentary, which was kind of like how the Try Guys edited out their former member, but it was done more classy way. No pink elephants. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually did a good job of removing her clever editing while the Try Guys was just like, hey, we don't care. <laughs> I know, I love it. It was great. But getting back to the group itself, three of the members, Sakura, Kim Chae-won, and Hu Yu-jin, were contestants on Produce 48, while Hong Eun-che was recruited through an audition at Deaf Dance School, and Kazuha was a professional ballerina before joining Source Music. So far, the group has released two mini-albums and is set to make their Japanese debut in early 2023. The second hype-related girl group to debut this year was New Jeans, with attention. They are a five-member group under Adore, which is an independent label under HYBE, and the label was founded in 2021 to host this group, basically. <laughs> this technically makes them HYBE's first girl group, and to some degree TXT and BTS's little sister group. Though, both of these groups are under Big Hit Music, which is also another independent label under HYBE, but it's the beginning of HYBE, so... Eh? Technicalities make all of this kind of weird, honestly. Like, N-Hype and 17 and Fancy Child are also all technically hype groups, but they're not seen as hype groups because they are under their own labels. Benefit Lab, Pledis Entertainment, Cost Entertainment. But you know, it's all weird. But it's just what we have to deal with. But anyway, back to New Jeans. Way back in 2019, it was announced that a girl group project between Big Hits and Source Music was in the making. And two years later, Adore was established to host this girl group, meaning they had transferred from Source Music and Big Hit over to Adore. And now, in 2022, New Jeans made their debut, and so far they've released one mini-album and are scheduled to release their pre-release single for their upcoming 2023 single album, OMG, later this week. We're bringing you the news. We're <laughs> bringing you upcoming songs. The final group we want to highlight is Mimi Rose. They're a five-member girl group under Yes, I Am Entertainment, a label formed in 2018 by Im Chang Jong, a notorious actor and singer who started his career in 1990. 
Mimi Rose is the label's first group venture and a collaboration with Total Set Entertainment. To be able to afford the group's debut, Im Chang Jong sold the copyright to 160 of his songs and some of the land that he had invested in. So he's really riding on their <laughs> success. So far, the group has released one single album and hopefully we'll see more of them in the coming years. But because we try our best not to leave anyone out, here is a bit of a speed run of other girl groups who debuted this year. Haiki, Nmix, XG, Kepler, Dahlia, Eile One, Classy, Finity, Lepolis, Girls World, CSR, Wina, POA, Daystar, 5050, Diastar, Pija, Limelight, Artbeat, Daisy, Cupid, Wonchu, PCDM, Four Season, Blaze, Coca and Butter, Scarlet, Flush, Stars, Dart, Entore, Shadow, Arid, Lala Girls, Memoria, Queen's Eye, Redbomb, and WSG Wannabe. We also saw some interesting subunits this year. And surprisingly, there was a lot of duos in the subunit space, like Chinchin and Rocky from Astro, Lur from Decoy, Apink Chobom from Apink, Mamamoo Plus from, well... <laughs> I think you can guess it. And NVIDIA from Maka Maka. And for non-duo subunits, we have Posh Girls, who pretty much got separated into two subunits, Posh Girls K and Posh Girls J, the Korean and Japanese subunits respectively. And then there is Triple S, which is not a subunit, but it is Modhouse's very interesting project set to debut in 2023. This means that Triple S is the main group, which has yet to debut, but their subunit, Acid Angel from Asia, or Triple S AAA, did debut with Generations, revealing four out of the possibly 24 members to come in the group Triple S. And they also have revealed the name for the second unit, Crystal Eyes, but they have not actually debuted yet and have not gotten a set debut date as far as we can tell but it will feature for other members of the Triple S group. It's all a little bit weird. We'll see if it happens. Tune back in next year, I guess. <laughs> and because sometimes getting a new beginning is for the best, let's talk about re-debuts. First off, Red Square, who originally debuted in 2020 under About Entertainment as a five-member group, they released one single together as Red Square, and then a little over half a year later, they moved to a different company and got no releases. Then this year, under the name Iris, the four-member group debuted under Mellow Entertainment, and this included three of the five original Red Square members. So it's kind of a re-debut, but also kind of not. Who knows? <laughs> then there is Elris, who officially became Alice. In 2021, the group was transferred from Hannes Entertainment over to IOK Company. The name was not the only thing that changed with the re-debut. One of the members changed their stage name. Bella is now known as Doa. And Hyesung changed both her stage name and her legal name to be Yonye. The group also saw the addition of two new members to the original five. And so far, they have released two singles this year. And for this last section, we want to feature the trio, Vivis, but the hung goal for them is BBG, and they debuted under BPM Entertainment. 
This group probably has the most idle experience of these rebranded groups since they consist of half of the members of G-Friend, which was around from 2015 through 2021. G-Friend disbanded last year after the group's contract with Source Music ended. And under this new company, Viviz is not only thriving, but also releasing a lot of good stuff. Yep. Yep. Like, what is it, Bomb? What's the one where, like, they're wearing crowns? That I really like. That was on my one of my lists of best songs of the year. Oh, yeah. I forgot what it was called. Oh, they also did Bop Up this year. I forgot about that. Dance to Bop Up is so hard. It goes so incredibly fast. They <laughs> just brought quality. That's all they did this year was just quality releases. Like, I like some of G-Friend stuff, but Vivis has just released, like, everything they've released here. Absolutely love every single bit of it. There's not me going, eh, I don't like this. Nope. Just 100% love it all. In the spirit of re-debuts, we also saw a couple of supergroups emerge. By supergroup, we mean a group made up of idols from multiple different groups coming together to promote as one. Firstly, we want to talk about Mama Doll, who was only active for about three months due to them being formed via a reality show. They were a group of former idols turned moms returning to the stage, and it was great. We love seeing them come together and work again after being out of the limelight. Then we got Got The Beat, who are part of SM's Girls On Top project. It features members from all of SM's active girl groups, as well as the company's savior, Boa. So far, they've only released one single, but hopefully SM won't just drop them off like it never happened. But time will only tell. As for notable solo debuts, at the beginning of this year, Yana debuted with Smiley, which features female solo artist Bibi. Yana was a member of Ice One, and fans had been waiting to see her official solo debut for a long time. And luckily, they were rewarded for their patience with their promotions this year. Then during summer, we saw three members of BTS have their official solo debuts. Although they had prior solo music releases, this was to celebrate them as individual artists. First, J-Hope debuted in July with more from his Jack in the Box debut album. Then in October, Jin released his solo single The Astronaut, which was a collaboration with the band Coldplay. And finally, RM debuted in December with Wildflowers from his debut solo album Indigo. And for time's sakes, we're not doing a comprehensive list of every single solo debut because I found close to 60 and there's probably ones that I missed, but there was a lot. So here are just some notable ones. Nayeon from Twice. Shumin from EXO, Solgi from Red Velvet, Lee Chanyuk from Akmu, Sonia from Wonder Girls, Yuyu and Yerin formerly from G-Friend, and Jay and Wonpil of Day 6. Now, let's look back at some trends that we've seen in the K-pop music scene this year. Aesthetically, we're still in the late 90s slash Y2K era, as seen with most groups' outfits like New Jeans' whole look, especially in Hype Boy, with the low-rise pants, tube tops, velour tracksuits, and cute hairstyles. For boys, we got a lot of oversized fits, loads of funky accessories, and interesting hair like Treasure has been sporting, especially in the Hello Music video. I just want to add my side piece because it's important, but I really love how snowboarding, like, skiing glasses have... Mm -hmm become a fashion statement yet again because i loved that yeah. in the 90s and i love it now it's great it's come back in so many forms and i love it it's great <laughs> it's fun yeah and a lot of music videos as well continued this kind of time period aesthetic by featuring a mix of retro technology but with a modern twist 
Examples of this can be seen in Yena's smartphone and Dawn's Stupid Cool. Another callback to the Y2K time period could be seen in Stacey's album titles this year, which included .com, like with their second mini-album, younglove.com. Then, the futuristic, almost sci-fi vibes are also going strong, with music videos like NCT 127's Two Baddies and Espa's Girls. The sci-fi vibes cannot pass without giving mention to Superkind, who debuted this year with a fully AI-generated member. We also saw the fully AI-generated girl group Eternity have their first comeback this year. The futuristic sci-fi vibes also manifest in music like Dreamcatcher's Vision and Drippin' Zero, which sound like they could have appeared in the first Matrix movie. Related to this, we also saw a lot of videos with an apocalyptic feel, with the planet covered in trash and basically being on fire, so the general unease about how we handle climate change is reflected in works like Zico's Freak, Dreamcatcher's Mason, and Tan's Louder. Musically this year, we've heard a lot of guitars. In some songs, it's very subtle, in others, it's a very big part of the song. But you hear it in g Idol's Tomboy and One Ho's Crazy, just to name a couple. We also saw the Y2K time period in hip-hop being called back to a lot, for example in Unite's Aviator and in Blackpink's Shutdown, as well as Lisa's rap in Pink Venom. Some artists even mix both the guitars and hip-hop vibes, like in Treasure's Volcano, which features a strong guitar riff as well as turntable scratching and a retro hip-hop feel when it came to the rapping. Also in 2022, we saw a lot of long-awaited comebacks, starting off with Big Bang, who released their first single in four years, which was Still Life. Their last release, Flower Road, was in 2018, so long time. Unfortunately, though, this is likely the last release we'll be seeing from Big Bang as a group due to the song being a very nice goodbye. On a happier note, Psy finally had a comeback with That That and a full album. This is especially notable as his last release was also in 2018, and that was New Face. A group that we also had not seen in two years was Blackpink, as their last Korean single, Lovesick Girls, came out in 2020, and they released their album Born Pink this year with Shutdown as the title track. Another artist we haven't seen for two years is Boa. Her last Korean release, Better, came out in 2020, and then this year she came back with Forgive Me, which sounds kind of edgy. <laughs> so it wasn't her just standard sound. So if you're a longtime fan of hers, you know, give it a try. You might like it. There were also some surprising comebacks. Big Mama, who released their first full-length album in 12 years, Born, with the title track, Like Nothing Happened, was released following their reunion last year. Nine Muses, Hyanna and Haimi, formed the group Me Us, and Xinhua released their first subunit, Xinhua WDJ. And this is notable because there hasn't really been any Xinhua music since the release of Heart in 2018. We also saw a couple of reunions, with 21 reuniting for a special performance at Coachella this year. Their last performance together was at the 2015 Mamas. Girls' Generation released Forever One to commemorate their 15th anniversary, and their last release was Holiday in 2017, so it had been quite a while for them. EXID released Fire to celebrate their 10th anniversary, and their most recent comeback was in 2019 with Me and You. And finally, Kara released When I Moved to commemorate their 15th anniversary. It was really sweet. They ended their music video with six microphones to honor their late member, Guhara. 
This is also their first single in eight years after 2015's Cupid. In promotional trends, we saw a lot of interesting ways to tease upcoming albums, such as New Jeans' app Phoning, which was a very cute retro website, and how ATs put up posters around their concert venues and also around Hongdae that featured QR codes to tease their guerrilla comeback. There was also a surprising amount of full-length albums being released in multiple parts. So instead of releasing a singular full-length studio album, the companies would release too many albums and call them part one or part two or chapter one, chapter two, and so forth, that if combined would be the length of a full album. We saw this with a lot of groups, some of them being Tan with their W series 2 Tan albums and Chonga's Bear and Rare, whose part 2 has yet to be released as of recording of this episode, but hopefully it will be released soon, because Chonga is good. Mm-hmm. So let's move over to something that isn't strictly music-based. There were also quite a few notable stars who changed companies this year. A few of these notable departures were of stars who chose not to renew their contracts. This includes AOA's Jimin and Sohyun, who left FNC Entertainment, EXO's Lei, who left SM Entertainment, Vix's Hyuk was announced to have finally left Jellyfish Entertainment, Infinite's Wuhyun left Woolam Entertainment, and Xinhua's Eric left Top Media. In addition to those, Jesse, Hyuna, and Dawn all left P Nation this year, which is notable because they were the first artists to be signed. The final notable departure is I.M., who left Starship Entertainment, while the other members of Monsta X renewed their contracts with the company. The final company change we want to mention is that the nation's MC, Yu Jae-suk, joined Antenna. There were quite a few notable lineup changes this year as well. First, let's talk about those who joined groups. Shreya and Gabby became new members of Black Swan, while Juan joined boygroup Kingdom. Wanbin joined the debut lineup of ATBO, and Daigo, Renta, and Yojung joined TO1 due to departures. Previously, Chiwu left Kingdom, Donghua left the debut lineup of ATBO, and Minsu, Jerome, and Wungi left TO1. People who left their group after massive controversy include Sitala from Haiki, Ho-chan from Victon, and Raven from Wanas. Other notable departures include Son Nan from A-Pink, Weekly's Ji-Yoon, Jang Yuri from Promise 9, D-Crunch's Dylan, Lightsome's Huion and Jian, and Treasure's Bang Yedam and Mashiho. And finally, Chu from Luna had her contract terminated by the company. Even though there has been an ongoing conflict between the idol and her company, as of the recording of this episode, the situation between them is still developing. Moving on to disbandments, here are a few notable groups that are no longer together. For boy groups, this includes Infect, Newest, Tracing, and by technicality, the first-gen group NRG, which Oldar will talk more about in the next episode. And for the girl groups that left us this year, that includes April, CLC, and Dia. A sad speedrun for the other groups that left us this year. MVP, Xero, My Street, D Crunch, We Girls, Hot Issue, Lunar, Solar, Grayish, Bling Bling, Girl Kind, Botopass, La Baume, Bandit, and AAA, or AAA, Asian Acid Angels, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to celebrity news, let's talk about some events that grabbed headlines this year. 
In company news, RBW acquired DSP Media. Starship Entertainment announced Lee Hoon-hee as the new CEO to work with the current CEO. Naver announced that they weren't going after SM shares. They're out of the game. And Young Min-suk, who is YG's baby brother, returned as CEO, technically co-CEO, at YG Entertainment. Additionally, it was announced that Weverse would start absorbing VLive. Then it was later announced that VLive would end by the end of this year. As for idols, in April, Holland was assaulted in a homophobic attack in Itawan. He reported it to the police, then posted about it. A few weeks after, Harasu attended a press conference at the National Assembly to argue for making an anti-discrimination law, which hopefully happens soon. On a lighter note, Young Sehyung saved a woman by using the Heimlich maneuver on her after learning about it on the show Master in the House, which he appeared on in 2019. So three years later, he used something he learned. That's cool. Speaking of shows, Alexa won American Song Contest and Uju Sonia was crowned as the winner of Queendom 2. But in May, on KBS's Music Bank, La Seraphim won first place over popular trot singer Lim Young-woong, which people thought was suspicious after seeing the number breakdown. And then Dispatch came out swinging about the votes being manipulated. Music Bank tried to do damage control, but people were not having it. Law enforcement eventually got involved, and producers of Music Bank ended up being formally charged for manipulating scores. One final note about Lim Young-woong that we want to highlight is that at the beginning of this year, he provided aid to a car crash victim by reporting it, giving CPR, and more. However, Music Bank wasn't the only show to be embroiled in controversy this year. In July, it was announced that Yoo Hil Yol's sketchbook would be coming to an end due to the host, Yoo Hee Yol having a plagiarism controversy that also saw him leaving the show, New Fiesta, as well. Unrelated but also during summer, BTS announced their hiatus as a group in June and have since been putting out a lot of solo work. And then, in November, Dispatch reported that Hook Entertainment hadn't paid Lee Seung-gi for his musical activities. It had previously been reported that he had asked for a review of his revenue settlement, and the CEO was furious, and thus that's how it came out. Since then, the CEO has been accused of gaslighting and threatening Isungi for so long, he thought he wasn't a successful singer. Like, he basically thought that the reason why he wasn't receiving revenue from his music activities was because he thought that people weren't buying it. That, like, he wasn't actually making an income because he wasn't doing well. Which, as we know, now is far from the truth. Fans have already known that for years, obviously, but now, like, the public knows, like, all this, and this poor dude hasn't been thinking he was a successful singer. As of now, more info is coming, and it appears that the CEO spent the income from his music on herself, and Isungi will be leaving the company. However, we probably won't get full details confirmed unless it goes to court, which, at this point, wouldn't be surprising. And now let's talk about a few lawsuits and criminal activities that went down this year. Let's start with a general lawsuit. KQ Entertainment announced that they were following through with a lawsuit against Sasangs. We love to see it. From here, we're rolling straight into criminal activity. On August 19th, Nam Yoon Sung of the boy group Noir and contestant for Produce 101 Season 2 was sentenced to probation after being convicted of breaking in, threatening, and assaulting his ex-girlfriend. While it wasn't announced if he was going to be put on hiatus, his group hasn't had a comeback, and his Instagram, which only lists him as an actor, hasn't been updated since the beginning of August, so keep an eye on that. We'll see if anything more comes of it. 
About a month later, Park Soo Hong's brother was arrested for embezzling the entertainer's funds. Soon after, his brother and sister-in-law were eventually indicted. Unfortunately, Park's father is siding with his brother, and at the cross-examination, he beat up the entertainer as soon as he came in and later said that it was Park Soo Hong's fault, which is wild. Mm. Yep. The more info we find, the worse it gets with just how his family treated him. And also the fact that they do so much mm -hmm. of it in public. It's like, my goodness, you're not I even know. trying to look like you're in the right. Also this year, Don Spike was arrested on drug charges. And former EXO member Chris Wu was sentenced to 13 years in prison and deportation upon completion of his time. However, one story we'll be keeping a close eye on is that of Omega X. On October 23rd, a Twitter user posted audio of the group being verbally and physically abused by their CEO, Kang Songki, after a concert in LA. SBS News picked up the story and reported on it. The news identified the woman as the CEO and wrote a transcript for the recording. Omega X's company, Spire Entertainment, soon released a statement that basically said both sides caused the escalation and it wasn't just the CEO being mean. Again, SBS came out swinging and released footage from the night that showed what was going on more clearly. The CEO tried to turn the conflict into a pity party for herself and continued to harass the group through the lobby of their hotel. She continued to blow off criticism and even had the audacity to take off on a flight with staff the next day after canceling Omega X's tickets. The group was left with a manager in LA, and it was reported that the members used their own money or borrowed money from their families in order to return home the next day. At this point, the members were done. They set up a new Instagram account after being previously banned from social media by their company and held a press conference where they detailed the long-term abuse they faced. After the press conference, Skiaki terminated their contract with Spire Entertainment as they had been managing Omega X's licenses in Japan. As for the CEO, who is married to the chairman, by the way, Spire claimed that she voluntarily stepped down, but JTBC wasn't having it. When you have the news who are coming after you, like, you're done. But JTBC reported that not only is she still working there, she is directly working with trainees. Gee, what could be a worse position to put her in? That one. As for Omega X, their first court case went down this month, so this situation is still ongoing. We wish them well and hope that they follow this through to the end, because companies don't learn unless they get a lawsuit. Especially certain individuals like this who do not mm -hmm. seem to see what they did wrong and continue to do actions. And to end this section on a high note, because goodness knows we need that when it comes to crime, Guhana's ex was ordered by the court to pay restitution to her family. Hallelujah. <laughs> Get wrecked. Moving on, let's talk about some military matters. Of the many idols who enlisted this year, some notable names include Aces Jun, Kim Byung-kwan, and Chan. SF9's Insung also enlisted, Day6's Wanpil, BlockP's P.O., Golden Child's Lee Dae-ol, Pentagon's Hong Suk, Astro's MJ, Wanwee's Yonghoon, Vix's Ravi, BAP's Youngjae, Wanho, and BTS's Jin. We all hope that the duration of their enlistment goes well. As for idols who were discharged this year, the list includes winners Lee Sung-hoon, actor Park Bo-gum, BlockB's Zico and Kyung, BAP's Daehyun, Crush, Infinite's L, Day6's Sungjin, and EXO's Chanyeol. Now let's jump over to some events that happened in Korea that aren't necessarily related to entertainment specifically, but are still interesting and relevant. 
Loosely entertainment-wise, Kakao announced that they were building a huge entertainment complex with the Korean government. This is not the first time one of these complexes has been proposed, but as of yet, no ground has been broken on the project, so don't get too excited just yet. JYP was supposed to do one with another company, I believe in Songdo, or if not them, there was like another group. Like there's at least four different major K-pop companies who are interested in making basically a dedicated space to K-pop. And so Kakao is saying, not only are we doing it, we're serious because we're working with the Korean government. So that's why it's so major. Yeah. So if it happens, cool. If it doesn't happen, the history repeats itself, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> One of the most important events was when Yoon Suk-yeol became the new president of South Korea. A few months later, Korea became the seventh nation to successfully launch a satellite and rocket built on their borders, which is really cool. Love space. Go explore. As for crime... <laughs> As for more crime. <laughs> crime part two. As for more crime. I know, I'm just, I, I am your crime spokesperson, apparently. YouTube channel Detective Caracula led to the arrest of con artist Kim Jae-rang after he had been on the run for 12 years. Meanwhile, three teenagers made the news for standing up to illegal filming and sexual harassment. First, in April, a male teenager caught another male high schooler trying to illegally film in a woman's bathroom, and that led to the filmer being arrested. Two months later, two male high school seniors called the cops and chased after a guy who had been sexually harassing two middle school girls. The two seniors ended up receiving certifications of commendation for this. Moving on, in August, Seoul flooded big time and affected transportation. Then, about a month later, Typhoon Hinamnor caused southern areas, such as Busan, to hunker down or evacuate. The next day, it hit Pohang and caused fires at a POSCO steel plant. It was the 11th typhoon of the year, with three people confirmed dead, nine missing, because apparently some people went to an underground parking lot trying to move their cars, which resulted in this tally. Very unfortunate. But that wasn't the end of disasters for this year, unfortunately. In October, a fire started at the SK CNC Data Center, which caused Kakao to be down for several hours. This bricked people's ability to communicate, use Kakao Pay, and more. Then, on October 19th, one of the co-CEOs of Kakao resigned. Other consequences included people leaving the Kakao app and the FTC getting involved. So that'll be interesting going forward. Kakao is so massive. And that was another thing that because Mm -hmm. of this, the government went, wait a minute, Kakao is a huge player in Mm -hmm. regards to communication, transportation, shopping, to where without Kakao, a lot of people really had their lives disrupted. And so they were like, do we need to do something about this? So they were looking into it, but we don't have any like set consequences right now because I assume that there's still an investigation going on. Monopolies be bad times? Monopolizing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't finish the joke. (laughs) My joke just (laughs) had a joke and then it just jeeted itself into oblivion. No clue where I was going with it. However, the biggest tragedy of the year happened on October 29th. During a Halloween celebration in Itawan, there was a crowd search that caused mass cardiac arrest. There were about 100,000 people at this event, and at first it was announced that 50 people had cardiac arrest. But as the night wore on, more and more victims were counted. Eventually, the death toll came to 158 with more injured. 
Many of the victims were young, and this included foreigners as well as Lee Jihan from Produce 101 Season 2. Soon after the tragedy, President Yoon declared a national mourning period to go through November 5th. Currently, there's still an ongoing investigation into who all were responsible, and families who lost loved ones are seeking for those involved to be brought to justice. There are a lot of details about this event, so if you want to hear more, consult our event stock. But before moving on, we do want to encourage our listeners, if you're able to, to learn CPR, as you never know when you might be able to save someone's life. And to round out the general news section, we wanted to end on a more positive note. On October 26th, seven miners became trapped in a sink mine that collapsed in Bongwa. Two of them got out pretty quickly, and three were pulled out a few hours later, which left two miners trapped. They were finally rescued on November 4th, when they were able to walk out on their own, and thankfully they were mostly unharmed. I think they stayed alive via coffee. Yeah, they they really had excellent survival skills. They had basically made a little camp inside of the collapsed mine, but then they also had enough room to do so. And also, one of them, I believe, was 56. He was in his mid-50s. The other one was in his early 60s. So if you've been mining for a long time, you probably are able to handle a situation like that better than someone who's like a young 20-year-old. So they really handled it well. And have you, either of you been in a mine before? Yes. No. Yes. So then you know, like, when, like, lights go out and you are just in there, it is scary. So for them, they were just able to walk out. Like, they were, obviously, they were taken to a hospital to see how they were doing. But just the, the condition which they got pulled out and then the fact that nobody died, it's just incredible. Yeah. Because we need some good news. <laughs> yeah. And the mining company is also under investigation for this because it's bad. <laughs> There was some questions about safety with them, yeah. Yeah. So let's continue over with more depressing news. Going back to celebrities, let's talk about some of those who died this year. The nation's MC, Hom Cham, passed away at age 73 due to liver cancer. YouTuber Kuming was announced to have passed away at 23 due to ovarian cancer. Comedian and musical actor Im Joon Hyuk passed away at 42 from cardiac arrest. Idol Lee Sang-hoon, better known as Kula Pika of QOQ, passed away from cirrhosis of the liver at 37. MC Songhae passed away at 95. Jung Jung-ji of Produce 101 also passed away. And as mentioned earlier, Lee Ji-han passed away in the Itaewon tragedy at 24. And as we never want to end these episodes on a sad note, let's talk about which celebrities had children this year. First, Sung Yuri from Finkel gave birth to twin girls. A couple of second-gen idols became dads this year, including 2PM's Chansung, Super Junior's Hangung, TVXQ's Max Chongmin, and Double S501's Kim Hyunjung. And finally, Muni Jun and Soyul had a son, which is hilarious because the baby arrived on HRT's anniversary, and as some of the members tend to be competitive over who's celebrated their debut anniversary the best, this made Hee Jun the indisputable winner, because no album release or fan meeting can top that. And the final section we want to cover is which celebrities got engaged and married. So first... Let's start off with Hyanna and Don, who got engaged after dating for about seven years, I believe, and then sadly broke up publicly at the end of November. Don't base all of your love on relationships 
of people you have parasocial relationships with. I've seen so many <laughs> fans heartbroken and not believing in love anymore because of this. Chill. But then over to the first gen idols who got married this year, which includes DJ Koo, Shinwa's Andy, Young Nara, and Lee Young, who released a song on his wedding day as it was the first song he wrote after meeting his wife, which is adorable. SG Wannabe's Kim Jin Ho also released a song on his wedding day, with his wife being included on the track, which is just even more adorable. Love that for them. Other stars who tied the knot this year include 100%'s Chan Young, Sun Dam Mi, Yu Kisses Hoon and Girls Day, Hwang Ji Sun, Benzino and Stephanie Mikova, Peach A's Yonso, Rainbow's Ko Wori, actor Kim Son Yook and Ate Johi, actors Gong Hyojin and Kevin Oh, and finally Kim Yuna and Forstella's Ko Worim. To wrap up, 2022 was a wild year. As mentioned earlier, this is just a small slice of what happened. If you want to hear more, we implore you to check out our master list doc. But if you want to hear our thoughts on this year, be sure to tune in to our next episode. But that's it for today. JR, take it away. Before closing out this episode, I wanted to let you all know that a few months ago, we opened a coffee. For those of you who don't know what that is, coffee is a service that allows listeners to tip their favorite creators. All of our content will still be free, and of course, there is no obligation to tip us. But if you're feeling so inclined, the option is now there. And the link is in our description. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, then please make sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and tell your friends about us. If you want to interact with us or just see more of our content, then you can follow us on Twitter at kpopsunbays or on our other social media platforms, which will be in the description. Also, don't forget that our next episode and the final of the season comes out on December 18th, 2022. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye. Annyeong.